You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Friday edition. It's AFC NFC Championship Sunday. Matt and I will break down both of those games later on in this show. Buccaneers at Packers, Bills at Chiefs. Who's going to go on to Super Bowl 55? Matt and I will get into both of those games uh, in depth, but there's a ton of news, Matt, to get to around the league. At Williamson NFL is where you can find my co-host, Matt Williamson. At BD Peacock is where you can find me. Uh, I want to start with hires we already knew about. And, and this is this okay. is really good because this was making its rounds uh, all around social media yesterday and the New York Jets introduced Robert Sala to their fan base and to the media, as did the Detroit Lions and their new head coach in Matt Campbell. And I just want to play a short clip from each of their intro press conferences, Matt. And you tell me uh, how you feel about how these went, because there, it's a stark contrast between the uh, the personalities. And, and sometimes on the sideline, you might think they're similar guys, but they're very different guys in Dan Campbell and Robert Sala, uh, even though they might be the two left in the ring with the battle royal of head coaches around the NFL <laughs> now, as you put it. I thought, I thought that was great. Um, let's first hear from Dan Campbell, the new head coach of the Detroit Lions. This place has been kicked. It's been battered. It's been bruised. And I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't. That none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that. So, excuse my language. All right. Here's what I do know is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city. All right. And the city's been been down, and it found a way to get up. All right. It's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right. And so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing, all right. That's going to be the mentality. One minute and two seconds of intensity that's from awesome. Dan Campbell, the new head coach of the Detroit Lions. What are your thoughts? Is that something that's going to pump up this new era of athlete here? And apparently the Detroit Lions were looking for something specific when they were looking for their head coach because the next guy we're going to hear from, Robert Sala, apparently had a bad interview with the Detroit Lions because he was the favorite going into this thing as the the Michigan native in Robert Sala. They went with Dan Campbell. I don't know, kneecaps? Uh, dropped an S-bomb in his very first press conference, which I think you, you got to kind of love. It'll be interesting for sure. I don't know how this is going to end for the Lions, but uh, okay, Dan Campbell, what are your thoughts? If I'm Lions fans hearing that, I love it. I mean, the, the one of my favorite parts was, I'm not going to give you the usual coach speak, you know, we're going to try, you know, all the cliches and all that nonsense. People around the world now understand that that's just BS, you know, I mean, say what you think. Um, and clearly he does. I bet he interviewed great. You know, this is kind of what the, you know, the secondhand information you got about him was, was he was going to bring a tough attitude, has some Parcells feel to him, very familiar with the city of Detroit. And I think that plays well in Detroit. You know, we were down, we're going to get back up, you know, all that type of thing. But I'm going to take a step back too. like, initially I love it. 
But the answer in the NFL nowadays isn't always bite, scratch harder than the opponent. You know, like if, if every answer is we got to play harder, I don't care that this guy runs a 4-6 and not a 4-4, but he's tough. We're going to bring him in. Uh, you might not win a lot of games that way. Uh, another little note here, the Lions are hiring former Saints defensive backs coach Aaron Glenn as their defensive coordinator. So I wanted to He's throw that one out there, which I think is a pretty good hire. But so, that, I mean, that's going to be important, too, for Dan Campbell because he's not a coordinator. He went from tight ends coach, assistant, head coach position. He, he's a motivator. And obviously they wanted that energy as their new sure. head coach in Detroit. And so who's he going to have as his offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators? Can he be the CEO? Game management, all of those things are going to be so important for a guy who is not an X's and O's guy, who is not a coordinator in the NFL. And, and I saw a lot of 49ers fans pointing to uh, the intro press conferences for Jim Tom Sula, who, again, defensive line coach, assistant head coach type, skipped the coordinator role. Mike Singletary was the same way, and it was sort of one of those sweaty, didn't get a lot of sleep press conferences for Dan Campbell that we saw in San Francisco for a while. And I thought that was a pretty good uh, comparison there. It was a cross between Singletary and Tom Sula is what I saw there. And those didn't end well for the, the 49ers, no, by the way. So, um, and, and I have my reservations about whether or not Dan Campbell is going to be one of the best uh, head coaches in the NFL that we're talking about in a couple of years. But uh, we had to play that press conference because that was uh, that was an all-timer. That was a very interesting one. And, and, and I, I if I'm a Lions fan, it gets the juices flowing. It gets juices flowing for sure. We'll see if it gets the players' juices flowing, and I have my doubts about that. But here is the new head coach of the New York Jets in Robert Sala. And I was asked by John Butchko of Locked on Jets uh, about Sala and his personality, and it's all gas, no break. That's his mantra, and you hear that a lot around the NFL. The first time I heard it was from Robert Sala, and he wants his, play, his defense to play fast and play violent. He preaches a lot of that stuff, but when he speaks, he's a lot more... Uh, well thought out than than Dan Campbell is. And even though he's energetic on the sideline, he doesn't have that personality when he's speaking with media. So here's a, a, the contrast of Robert Sala, the new head coach of the New York Jets. We're going to do this thing together to our organization. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. When we talk about all gas, no break, we're not talking about effort on the field. We're talking about the process at which we do things. We're talking about the way we prepare, the way we wake up every single morning, the way we rehab, the way we communicate, the way we speak to one another. Cannot tell you enough about how excited I am to work with this entire Jets organization and understanding that when we wake up in the morning, we will all, from top down, step on the pedal and find a way to get somewhat better than we were when we, uh, when we woke up. A little bit more subdued, a little bit more coach speak, I think, there with Robert Sala, but talking a little bit more about uh, the process, I think, there. Uh, getting better every single day. So there's there's Robert Saul, the new head coach of the New York Jets. Just the way they they spoke, because I think a lot of people compared them as younger guys, energy on the sideline. Robert Saul, a very different guy, at least from his intro presser than Dan Campbell. Yeah, and uh, those are good good blurbs for sure. And Sala always got his defense to play fast. It's obviously a much bigger challenge to get in an organization to all all gas no breaks you know with the rehab and every step of the way mm -hmm. and you know progress and that that's great he's obviously very well spoken he's a smart guy and media relations is something we rarely talk about whenever we're going through the you know coaching candidates and whatnot and it's extremely important is your ability to deal with the media and frankly i think that's one thing that's hurt belichick disciples over the years because mm -hmm. He doesn't let people outside, you know, the, his assistant coaches ever talk to media. And obviously it's triple as important when you're the head coach in New York.
And I think there is a little bit of uh, a correlation between how uh, a head coach is in front of the media because they, they it's probably it's just a natural bit of their personality. It's the same when you stand up in, in, in front of a group of players. Like, you can bark at them and try to get, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very... And that's the thing about the Dan Campbell really presser there. It's like, you know? yeah, yeah, it's like, it's very different than Patricia, but it's also like... That's what a high school coach sounds like, you know, maybe a college coach. Right, right. It's, I don't know if pros are going to they gonna roll their eyes at that. Are, are they going to be pumped up by that? So it's very interesting. And I think media relations is important because you can get a lot of, from a person's personality because that's probably how they relate to most people in their lives. Some people are, are very likable. And, you know, sometimes it might be different. Bill Belichick's a good example of that. He's very terse in his interviews and his press conferences. But obviously he has his players going in the right direction. But a lot of his disciples don't. So, I don't know. Very interesting. And who knows? We probably can't take anything or, or too much at all from those pressers. But the Dan Campbell one I for sure had to play because oh, for those yeah. who hadn't heard it, that, that one's going to be an all-timer, whether things go great or whether things go south in Detroit. It's also much different to have your introductory press conference where you kind of write the script. You've been looking forward to it. It's a positive situation as opposed to week six with the Jets when you're one in five and Josh Allen just dropped 45 on your head. Or <laughs> right. you know, week six in Detroit and Aaron Rodgers did the same thing and you're 0 oh and six, you know right after the game and you're all fired up. I mean, that's a different situation. Right. That's a great point. If he's already dropping S bombs now, and this was like, right, the, right. you know, the easiest one he'll have as far as pressers <laughs> exactly. go, unless yeah. he's winning a bunch of games. So that's a great point. That's hilarious. We might be quoting him a lot over the next couple of years. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. All right. Uh, let's talk about some of the other newer hires around the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles have found their new man and the Pittsburgh Steelers have a new quarterback, Matt, that we'll get into next. Starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. To make it better, I'll tell you how you can get 20% off. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack. You need to replace a quick meal maybe. You can't do much better than a low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber snack. that tastes awesome and even great for a keto diet. That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. AFC, NFC Championship game breakdowns and, and picks from Matt and I are to come. Uh, uh, there's some other big news around the league that we've got to hit before the week is over here. And according to Adam Schefter, the Eagles are hiring Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as their next head coach. Sirianni spent three seasons as a Chiefs assistant coach, five seasons with the Chargers, and the past three with the Colts. The now 39-year-old Sirianni becomes the lead man in Philadelphia. And the first thing I think of when I see this is Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles obviously in hindsight feel like they let the wrong guy leave the building and probably wish they had Frank Reich right now. So they go to his assistance after they fire the guy who used to be Doug Peterson's assistant. It's funny. That's exactly what I thought too, because Sirianni has a good reputation. I'm not saying anything bad about the guy, but he's kind of this year's Joe judge for me where I got a Wikipedia of this guy. I mean, I don't know much about him. 
Um, just looking at his resume on paper, it doesn't blow you away. He's very young. He's overshadowed by an offensive head coach in Indianapolis. But that was my thoughts, too, was like, we, we, we fire Peterson, Reich leaves, we have a losing record since Reich left, and let's get the closest thing to Frank that we can. I wish we would have hired him. What do you think this means for the Eagles quarterback situation? Because that's the biggest, that, that's maybe even a bigger decision than who they hired as head coach in a lot of ways. And Jalen Hurts was the guy, and then all of a sudden got benched in, in a, the very last game of the season, which I think was part of why Doug Peterson isn't around anymore. Carson Wentz has the big salary. Do they let them battle it out again in training camp? Does bringing over a former, because Sirianni didn't coach Wentz, but Frank right, Reich right. did, does that make it more likely that maybe they're friendly and they make a deal to send Wentz to Frank Reich, who, by the way, needs a quarterback now because his in Phillip Rivers just retired? Or is this a sign that the Eagles want to keep things going with Carson Wentz and hope that he's still the guy? I'm not sure, and this is just an educated guess, but first note before we get there, I'm not sure this job's as attractive as people would think. You know, like, I bet a lot of people said no thanks to the Eagles right now, considering their cap situation, the way the last couple of years have went, and mostly because I, I've i kind of been told that ownership in Philly wants somebody to, to, to coach up Wentz. You know, that they, they've seen Wentz play well. They have a lot of dollars invested in this guy. They think their quarterback is in the building. So if you watch last year's tape only, few would agree. You know, I mean, it was bad. If you watch previous year's tape, you can certainly get on board with that. So my hunch just from knowing those few things are we're bringing in an offensive-minded guy, and he's not a super high pedigree coach. I mean, maybe he was all we could get to some degree. And he's going to do what we want. And he's going to coach up Wentz and Hurts, I would imagine. I mean, you're not going to trade Hurts. I would think he'll be in the mix. Fascinating. Eagles fans tend to think this means that Wentz is going to get another shot. If just from, from what I'm gathering from the folks that cover the Eagles around the NFL. And it's interesting that they ended up on Sirianni because of the coaches still going. Brian Dable uh, still doesn't have a job yet. And neither does Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy did interview with the Houston Texans. The Eagles didn't want to wait for those. And Brian Dable, actually, there was a report that he wasn't interested in the Eagles job. So maybe that's right, part of right. it. And to your point that it's not one of the better jobs around. And it's not as good of a job as, as you might have thought, especially in recent history. Right. You start cutting guys to get under the cap. And if you're married to Wentz and he's broke, I mean, I'm not saying he is. That's tough. It's a tough gig. A couple other hiring notes. Uh, I didn't mention it with the Robert Sala thing in New York, but Sala is not going to be calling the defensive plays for the Jets. And I find that mm. surprising and fascinating. Defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich, who was in Atlanta, is going to be the play caller on defense. And it's interesting that um, in the other defensive coordinator in Atlanta, who became interim head coach in Raheem Morris, Morris and Ulbrich split play calling in Atlanta. And it yeah. got a lot better when they started doing that. Um, Ulbrich was calling first and second down plays, and Raheem Morris was calling third down plays. And now Raheem Morris replaces Brandon Staley as the defensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams. So a lot of movement. I just wanted to talk about uh, everywhere that all these coaches are ending up. But uh, I'm actually surprised Robert Solid. That's why you hire him, because you want him to call plays on defense, and he's not going to do that. that. I don't know about that call. Yeah, it doesn't mean you, I'm sure he'll have massive influence on it. And 
Ulbrich does have a good history. You mentioned, I mean, during the bye week last year is when they made that defensive play calling change in Atlanta. And it's a very similar Seattle-ish scheme, you know, so I think that's a good, he's a good guy for the job, but you're right. I mean, that was one of the allures of Sala, you know, and he's not going to be doing that. I will say like, people don't always realize this. And then this is going to, I'm going to peel it back to the Steelers. I mean, like Tomlin's a heavy, I mean, he's a defensive minded guy and obviously he's been doing the head coach thing for a while, but there's stretches during this year where he just takes over the defensive play calling. You know I mean? It, it doesn't always mean it's a, Totally the other guy's job. Mm-hmm. It's not a slap in the face of the defensive coordinator, but sometimes he'll be like, this game, I'm calling the plays. Part of it might be that you can't get the best coordinators you want because they want to call plays. So you you have to relent if you're like, okay, well, we think the best guy to hire right now would be Jeff Ulbrich. He's not gonna he's not gonna go here. He's gonna go somewhere else that'll allow him to call plays if we don't allow him to call plays. And if you like him that much, then maybe that's okay. And obviously you have the headset on, you're the head coach. I think ideally, if you are a head coach, there's so much with game management happening. You pro- it's probably ideal if you're not calling plays, but then you have that ability to say, "Yeah, you know what? We're we're doing this right now," and so you still have control of everything. Out. And obviously, the game plan is all on you throughout the week as well, along with the defense coordinator. So now that I right. think about it, it does make some sense, and he's still in charge of his defense. Right, and, and it's a good point about well, maybe Ulbrich would have taken the Rams job if he wasn't allowed to take call plays, you, mm-hmm. you know, and then you don't get your guy, you know. And I think those are both good hires. I, I like both of those defensive coaches, yeah. and I think Raheem Morris was one of the top defensive coordinator candidates probably out there. Definitely a guy who can be head coach of the defense for the Rams. So the Rams lost, you know, a, a really big piece in Brandon Staley, but I think that's a pretty good hire to replace him in, in Raheem Morris. Probably couldn't have done much better. According to Adam Schefter and numerous sources now, the Steelers have signed former Washington quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Is Haskins the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, It's funny because there's so many photoshops out there about Deshaun Watson in different uniforms. And then uh, it's funny to see the fans' reactions when you get a new quarterback and it's not Deshaun Watson, it's Dwayne Haskins, and his fans are like, oh, I guess, I, you know, what? it didn't cost anything, so who cares, I guess, but uh, not exactly the most exciting um, the most exciting signing for the Steelers. Obviously, he was cut before the season, so he doesn't have the normal free agent period. He's just on the street right now. One-year contract, do you think there's anything salvageable there for the Steelers and Dwayne Haskins? It's funny. They did the exact same thing a year or two ago with Paxton Lynch, and the contract is just a reserve futures contract. And I'm not sure if everybody even realize what that is, but that's not like what most NFL players are making. I mean, after teams get eliminated, you'll see these blurbs, Atlanta signs 12 guys to a reserve futures contract. That just means they're basically bringing them to camp. Like that doesn't even mean that there's uh, close to being guaranteed a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And they're not even hundred percent guaranteed a camp spot. Like if Haskin does something stupid tomorrow, he won't be in camp, you know? So, <laughs> right. This is as little as you can have invested in a player, which amazes me. I mean, I've kind of been told, and I'm going to go talk to my buddy Dale Lawley here in a couple minutes and get the inside, inside scoop. But I've been kind of told that there was more interest in Haskins than this terrible contract would, would you know, indicate. But this is also a really good landing spot if you're Haskins. You can look at it and say, kind of like Winston did in New Orleans. I'll take less because I can see a pretty clear path to – learning, um, getting a little more mature, and maybe I can be the successor. I mean, but Steeler fans, by no means should you think, see, all my buddies are mad. You know, before they realize what the contract meant, they're like, 
oh, this guy stinks. Why would you do it? I'm like, there's no investment. Yeah. I mean, all you're doing is bringing a first-round pick to camp for nothing. But everyone's looking at it like, boy, the Steelers think this guy's going to be Ben's successor. We're going to be terrible for years. Like, he may not even make the team. And he's he was a first-round draft pick for a reason. Like, right, that star right. fell very quickly. But he has all that arm talent that he had when uh, he threw 50 touchdowns or whatever it was at Ohio State when his in his one season as a starter. So this is actually a, a perfect landing spot for him. There's no pressure. I think. Uh, he it's great learn, for him. Yeah, he can learn behind a Hall of Fame quarterback, a stable coaching situation there, and probably has a pretty good shot, I would think, of being Ben's backup at least this year. I, I, don't, I didn't see enough from Rudolph to think that uh, all of the no. talent, as long as Haskins you know, figures it out and, and maybe this whole process has allowed him to screw his head on a little bit tighter, I could absolutely see him outplaying um, someone like Rudolph and becoming the backup quarterback. And maybe he just realizes, i got to grow up, you know, and... Uh, this organization could be good for him that way. My only reservation, which is super, super small and really like pulling back the layers of the onion, because I've been thinking about for a while, who's going to be Ben's successor. And I always say when they find Ben's successor, he better be an athlete. I mean, like Rudolph isn't an athlete. Haskins isn't an athlete. Ben can't move anymore. Like, I hope they don't look at the quarterback situation and think, we need a big old school pocket passer and we'll protect them. Like that's not what the league is anymore. I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons Haskins failed. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the best thing for everybody, except for maybe Haskins or, or Rudolph or whoever is the successor for, for maybe one bad year is that you don't want to be the guy who follows the hall of famer, be the guy who follows the guy who failed after the hall of famer. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, they could be, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to look too much into it. Right. I, I imagine Ben will be back, although it looks like his two best buddies on the team, Pouncey and Vance McDonald, are both going to retire. Vance uh, announced it today. Um, so Ben might not be here for long. I'm not saying Haskins or Rudolph is the answer, but they're, they're similar styles. Yeah, and it might be just a, a zero story, but it's a former first-round pick, right. and, and you know they spent nothing on it. So really, right. uh, really, it's, it's a no-brainer situation, even though the name is a name that everybody recognizes. Let's talk Championship Sunday, Matt. We've got two very important football games to get into. Buccaneers, Packers, Bills, Chiefs. You want to get some of those last-minute bets in for Championship Sunday? Looking at NFL futures, NFL draft futures. Are you excited for NHL hockey that is now underway? NBA basketball is in full swing. Well, you can find all the action at BetOnline. And get some free money to play around with at betonline.ag with your first deposit. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. An amazing number of things you can bet on when it comes to props for Championship Sunday. There's already a ton of angles to bet on for Super Bowl Sunday. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Quick question for you, Matt, before we get into these games. I saw this from NFL Research. What's the best quarterback pass catcher tandem in these conference championship games? Brady and Evans, Rodgers and Adams, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, or Pat Mahomes and Kelsey? And I might put even Tyreek Hill in there instead of Kelsey. And if you go the best yeah. three, if you go best quarterback plus two weapons, maybe this skews to the Chiefs. But uh, to me, and, and this was a very tight vote, uh, it's it's Rodgers-Adams by a lot. 
Yeah, and I would put Hill over Kelsey with all respect to Kelsey. If it's three, it's definitely Kansas City. Although Tampa's is pretty nice. Adams or, or you know Evans, Godwin, Godwin Brady. Yeah. All all the combinations are awesome. I mean, when Allen's Allen and Diggs isn't even the consideration, you know it's a pretty good group. But I'm with you. I think Adams is the number one receiver in the league, catching balls from the MVP. So that's pretty hard to beat. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mostly I wanted to ask the question because it just highlights how good these matchups are this weekend. I can't yeah, wait for right. Sunday. Let's start with the early game. The 11 and 5 Buccaneers at the 13 and 3 Green Bay Packers. The Packers at home favored by three and a half. That line looks like it, it just started to tick a little bit closer to Green Bay with that three and a half. I believe it was three yesterday, according to our friends at betonline.ag. First off, I'm really looking forward to both these games, and I happen to pick the same score for both, and I think they're both going to be extremely high scoring. I'd be blown away if either game is a blowout or isn't competitive, and I also think maybe for the first week of the year, home field advantage might actually mean something. I want to double check on the weather because the current weather in Green Bay as we're doing this show is 15 degrees, mm -hmm. but prior to what game time would be. But I want to uh, fast forward to Sunday and I talked about how there might be a little bit of snow and it's looking like it might be a little colder, though, than we talked about yesterday. And if it keeps trending in that direction, we could have a game that's in the 20s with snow on the ground. And it looks like there's going to be three inches of snow Sunday uh, and 28 degrees right now is the forecast for Green Bay, Wisconsin on Sunday. So, uh, and I kind of hope for it. I, I just love the yeah. way football looks in the snow in green Bay, the frozen tundra, right? I think that would be a little bit extra fun. And if it is that way, I don't know that it helps Tom Brady's chances cold, especially wind, especially, and a little bit of snow just for fun, just to, to, to make it look a little bit different. I got to go green Bay Packers in this game. I am too. I give the Packers the coaching advantage. The quarterback advantage, although Brady's playing great. Um, I think they're if they can get Brady in some third and longs, I think they'll be really good situation with Gary and the two Smiths is kind of like that NASCAR package to come after him. Although I look at Brady and think he's gonna throw at anyone not named Jari Alexander. So I think there's gonna be a lot of points. I think both teams should run the ball okay, although Tampa will stop the run a lot better. Um, I think Vita Vea is going to play in this game, which is kind of exciting too. Um, but I think the Rodgers and the way that that offense is playing and their playmaking skills on defense and at home wins a close one. I got 35-30 for the home team. Can the Packers, obviously there's, there's always a bunch of you know special teams. How does the ball bounce? Fumbles, interceptions, turnovers. Whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win these games that are close games between good teams. Uh, if there's a big play here or there, that could obviously swing things. But if things are pretty uh, straight and standard when it comes to those things with these two teams in this game, can the Packers stop the Buccaneers' run game? Because we talk, everyone's going to be talking a lot about Brady versus Rodgers, Brady versus Rodgers. But the thing that has hindered the Packers over the last calendar year has been the run defense. Can they stop the ground game? Can they stop that, especially if uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Bucks get an early lead? I think that's a huge problem for the Packers. And I think Fournette's playing pretty well all around and has established himself as the number one there. Tampa won the first game, pretty much in my opinion, by dominating both trenches. I think that's a possibility again. But I also think in a game like this, 
and then we'll really get to this in the AFC game, that Green Bay is going to want you to run the ball. Like when we talk Chiefs versus Bills, both those defenses are begging you to run the ball, especially against, you know, Allen and Mahomes. Okay, if you're going to hand it to Daryl Williams and Devin Singletary, that's a lot better than throwing it to Tyreek and Kelsey and Evans and Godwin and Diggs mm-hmm. and all these guys. You know, it's just an analytical base way, and it'll look like they're getting gashed. But in the end, four and a half yards of carry from Leonard Fournette and controlling 32 minutes of the clock might not get you to where you need to be at the finish line points-wise. Packers by four, and since the line's three and a half, give me Green Bay here. I just love what's going on with the Packers and the way things, yeah. the way they're playing, uh, the game being at home in Lambeau for them. Uh, it's just the icing on the cake for me to pick the Packers here. And whatever adversity they faced, it hasn't really mattered. They lost Bakhtiari. They still played great. Shout out to a listener who sent us the stat on Elgton Jenkins. I think it was over 600 pass snaps and not allowed a sack this season. Uh, and by the way, like the Buccaneers were somewhat lucky to get here if it wasn't for some turnovers by Drew Brees and the Saints. The Saints at one point in that game, I thought were, were going to be in, in control, and it might have been the Saints at Packers, in which case I would still be picking Green Bay in this one. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because this game is not going to be plus four in the turnover differential for Tampa Bay. Right, absolutely. Um, speaking of weather, let's go to Kansas City. If this game was in Buffalo, it would be another game in the 20s. But in KC, they are expecting some rain and maybe some snow this weekend. 42 with rain and drizzle is the forecast for Sunday. So we might see some some weather and some uh, wetness on the ground in both of these championship games Sunday. The Bills at the Chiefs. Kansas City favored by a field goal. Should be a blast. Two young, extremely talented quarterbacks. Um, Pretty excited about the whole thing, to be honest with you. I think a key here, again, is home field advantage. I think that when it comes down to what I think is going to be a close, high-scoring game, I think the been there, done it factor of Kansas City is going to be very important. And if somebody makes a big mistake, I would think that it'll be the Bills. The Bills haven't been awesome the last two weeks, but they've faced two awesome opponents and it's playoff football and style points really don't matter in the playoffs, but the chiefs have some holes too. And I don't know that either team will choose to run the ball. You know, when they met the first time it was all Edwards Hilaire because the bills dared them to do that. And they kept the the chiefs to a reasonable number, but it wasn't quite enough in the end. So I think it's going to be bombs away throwing like crazy, but I will say Mahomes' injury situation and it's his toe. I'm not worried about the concussion so much, but a toe to me for a mobile quarterback, a playmaker like that worries me. So many weapons for both of these teams, and that's what's going to be fun. And nobody's playing better football in the second half of the year. Chris talked about it yesterday. The weighted DVOA bills are are number one in the NFL. Uh, they're playing such great football. If I'm getting points, and, and I, I became a, a believer a while back this season, if I'm getting points on the Buffalo Bills, I'm going to take it here, and I'm going to take those three points against the Kansas City Chiefs, even though they are on the road, um, just because I love the way they're playing right now. And with the Chiefs, sure. there's the, you know, I don't know if Mahomes' brain will still be fuzzy. I don't know how that works with concussions and how quickly you can come back from that. I've never uh, been hit that hard on a football field in my life, and I didn't play much football. So it's like uh, I have no idea what that is like for for uh, a quarterback. But there's a lot mentally put on a quarterback in a championship game, right? So I don't know if there's going to be fuzziness there, but you're right. Uh, the toe, the way that they 
didn't and, and they didn't put anybody away last week. It wasn't even and this was before the Mahomes injury because I thought that game last week against the Browns was going to be the opposite. They're going to come out slow and then second half pour it on and go win that game pretty easily against the Browns. But when it, what ended up happening is they started somewhat fast, and I was surprised. And they had a, a little a two score lead going into halftime, and then all of a sudden you, the Browns came back on them, and, and that was almost even because they had all the excuses of a bye week and sitting people in week 17 to start slow. They didn't. They ended slow. Then the, the injury and Chad Henney came in and Chad Henney made enough plays to, to save that game for the chiefs. But I have not been all that impressed with the chiefs, even though they are still, you know, one of the top couple of teams in the NFL, I've been more impressed with the bills. So I'm going to stick with the bills and the bills mafia. And, uh, and, and I think Buffalo can win this one. Give me the points. I'm going to take KC, but I don't feel super strong about it. I feel stronger about the NFC game. I do feel strong about a lot of points. Uh, I think the Bills have the better defense. I think they're better on special teams. But I bet the Honey Badger or Chris Jones has a a big swaying play, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of how they're set up. Who will make the big play when it counts in that mm-hmm. football game? I can't wait for these games this weekend. This is one of the the best lineups of championship football I think we've had in a while. Packers, Bills, that's my pick for Super Bowl 55. I got Chiefs Packers, but I heard someone say today, this might be the best quartet of quarterbacks that have ever made it this far. And I can see that. I, I can totally see that. And yeah. especially with the way they played this year, it was for the top five uh, graded quarterbacks from pro football focus that are in this thing. And the, the, and the other one who was number three this year was Deshaun Watson, by the way. Uh, I think yeah. we actually brought that up earlier on the show this week, but um, they're probably the three top candidates for MVP, the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. Uh, another hall of famer in Rogers. Mahomes has already won an MVP and is, and is on a uh, hall of fame career pace, you know, and he's a super bowl champ. And Allen has an extremely bright future. It's a pretty good group. Right. And someone's going to have to beat a Hall of Famer to win the Super Bowl, you know? Mm-hmm. And and the one I think about is, do you just waive the five years for Tom Brady if he goes through Breeze, Rodgers, then Mahomes, and wins another Super Bowl <laughs> at his age? I mean, what the heck? What, wow. what, what could be the biggest cherry, a bigger cherry on top than that? You almost have to retire. It's ridiculous, yeah. And he probably won't because he's still playing great. <laughs> yeah, and then he'll do something even greater uh, when right. he's 45 or 50. Who knows? But uh, pretty amazing stuff. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun Sunday, Matt. And we'll be back, me and you, here as we do Monday morning, breaking it all down. Peacock and Williamson.